0: break it down hey good morning Shoreline it's great to see your face I can now see there's lighting now in the front I can see that you know we have people here this is incredible um, wanted to give a special thank you to uh, Nicole Hogan and Rachel Hogan and uh, Marsha Balboa for making some incredible pancakes this morning it was yum yummy it was incredible to, to come to church and have a breakfast uh, made of champions. They had banana out there, strawberry. It felt like IHOP. But it was free. Uh, it was awesome. So thank you for your, your love and your, you know, uh, just your thought. You know, that was just kind of on them. That's, that was their heart. That was their desire. And they, they sent me a text. I said, let her rip. Go for it. Do it. I also wanted to thank Juliet Reister for, you know, she always makes us coffee in the morning. If you brothers or sisters will get to have that, she makes coffee for us. Thank you. She gets here extra early. It's just to do that. It takes a little while to make, but I appreciate her heart. And that's, you know, that's on Juliet. You know, you don't have to wake her up to remind her each morning, send her a text message at 6 a.m. She gets up on her own and does that. So we really appreciate that. Um, I want to also thank James Hogan. Uh, he hands out little lollipops to all the kids. So the kids, he, he gets extra fellowship with our kids. They tend to like that. That's awesome. Um, just want to let, give you an update on Chris Pope. How many here guys know Chris Pope? Okay. Well, I just got an update from Juliet. The uh, the tumor in his in his head was a stage three cancer tumor. So uh, if you know Chris, please call him, email him, encourage him. Uh, they don't know if they got all of it, so it's it's gonna take some time to figure that out. Stage three is pretty serious. Stage four is fatal. So it's kind of in that touch and go stage. I think he just it sounds like he had surgery, Juliet. Yeah, surgery. So, you know, sometimes they feel like they got all of it. Sometimes it can regrow. And as you know, if you've had family members who've had cancer, you know, it, it's that uh, unknown. So we're going to wait. Be, be, please be praying uh, for, for um, Chris and his wife. He has uh, two children, two children. Um, so if you know them, please contact them and encourage them. So let's go ahead and say a prayer for him right now, if you don't mind. Uh, God, we just want to come to you, and just, we're so grateful for how you uh, forget our, our silliness, our foolishness, and remind us to uh, live a life for you, and we, we appreciate that. Uh, we want to pray for the Pope family, especially Chris, uh, and this happens to us as humans, God. Our bodies, bodies begin to deteriorate, and we have uh, strange things that happen to us. In this case, it's a tumor in the brain. And we pray for the doctor's hand, we pray for the medical staff, we pray for all those who are, are helping Chris, God, that you give them deep insight into overcoming this um, disease. I just pray that you would give uh, 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 the family strength during this time, and his two children, his two sons, and uh, the church up there in Seattle, I know they're doing a great job encouraging the family. Um, we're just grateful that uh, we know him and we'll be praying for him every day, uh, that uh, you would uh, bring about your will, God. We love you so much just let me pray amen Amen. we've been studying out the book of James and Zaldi uh, last week I'm sorry Bruce Lee Zaldi uh, heard his lesson on on, on online the the website and he talked about you know mature Christianity is those who are patient in trials and those who practice the truth and and this is the theme of James chapter 2 we're going to take one half of it because there's so much in the first half that I think we can get a lot out of it. So I'm going to try to break it down for us. Um, And James is really, he's the brother of Jesus. He's his physical brother, uh, half-brother to be technically correct. Uh, He uh, is is an important part of the church. He did not believe so much in Jesus when they were growing up. As we saw that earlier, they tried to entice Jesus and kind of, you know, make fun of him. Uh, They didn't like him going around, around preaching. They didn't like that either, so... There was a little bit of an unbelief growing up, but as we see now, when, when Jesus resurrected, he went back and he visited his brother, James. So that might have helped James, I believe, to believe in Jesus. Um, and just like the resurrection helps us believe. So James, one of, one of his themes of, this, of, his, of his letter is written to the Christians, and he realizes they're immature. You know, you can go from being a mature Christian To an immature Christian, back to a mature Christian. You know what I mean? They're faced like, well, I I handled that. That was awesome. And guys are going, you're you're growing, bro. Then the next situation, they're going, whoa. Bro, that's not how you want to handle that. So we, we go sometimes from maturity to immaturity and then back to maturity. And if you're a mature Christian, you learn from the immature moments. And that's wise. And his theme is immature people talk about their beliefs, but the mature person lives them out. Even though you made a mistake, there's humility there's a vulnerability, there's a willingness to get help, and that escalates to, to maturity again. It's the immature when you make a mistake and then you're embarrassed about it. You want no one to, you know, to get involved. You want to hide it, and then you don't grow. And so he's talking about that. He's saying the mature people hear God's word, James 1, and that talking about God's word can never substitute doing God's word, like coming to church and hearing a lesson, does never substitute you actually living it out. There's a difference. In one, you can be called religious, come to church, but on the other hand, you don't live it out. And so this is the, kind of the, the, the premise of what he's trying to get accomplished to the Christians. going like, You're living out there. Understand that maturity comes through living out your faith. So here's a question for you. Have you ever treated someone special because they had a successful life, they're financially successful, they come from your same culture, same background, and then treat another person differently who is not from your background or a culture or your social status. You ever do that? Ever see someone, you know, who's dressed, who has little, low drama in their life? You, you know, you, we tend to, we like hanging out. With that person over, oh, there's that person. Oh, gosh. You know, I saw that growing up. I saw that a lot growing up. And I remember people getting special treatment who were more established, who were more well-off, who donated more. I saw that a lot growing up. And it really... You you, you think it would make me change the way that I saw, but actually, I inherited some of those traits of what I saw. I, I, I considered it the norm, so to speak. You know, when I was growing up in our neighborhood... We had, uh, we, had a, we, had a, we had black neighbors. In our neighborhood, we didn't have black people. So it was like, whoa, there's a black person here. This is, this, is, this is different. This is new. So we were the neighborhood kids. So we went over to their house. Hey, do you guys want to play? Like, we didn't, We just like, hey, want to come on? So we played every day. And then I noticed our, my parents were like, hey, uh, who's that over there? What are you doing over there? I'm like, we're hanging out playing stickball. They're like, we don't want you over there as much. So we're, like, we're like, We just couldn't understand why. And so, and so uh, as I got older, uh, it turns out my dad had a little bit of history. Uh, he had gotten beaten up by that culture at a job site once. So he, 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 so he, he quickly painted everybody, every person, that there must be something wrong with them that, in that, from that background, that color, that race. And we're like, "Dad, these, his dad's an accountant." You work for the railroad. I mean, he was even blind to the, to the, you know, my dad's blue collar, he's white collar. My dad was, I mean, because of his experience, his, 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 what happened to him, it painted everybody as shady. And he was blind to it. And so we were combating that. As kids, you know, kids are pretty pure hearted. They grow up going, what's the problem here? These are our buddies. And so I saw that a lot. I saw the wealthy get the best lawyers and avoid jail. If we committed that crime, we'd be in jail for many years. I've seen groups of races only hang out with their own types. Seen that. I've seen people of high position don't hang out with people of lower position. And it, this, was, this is my story. This is, I grew up in a family that only liked Latin things. If you weren't Latin or didn't speak Spanish, you were, yeah, yeah. we'd invite you, but you wouldn't get much fellowship. You know, you'd come over, but you'd be, you, you would, it would, it would, they'd be the awkward couple sitting by themselves. And so this happened growing up, and, it can, and we can bring that into the church very easily. Our backgrounds play a big part in how we treat each other. You know, we can even go so far as like, well, you don't relate to me because you haven't experienced this. And that may be true but this is what James is trying to help the church with because there was a lot of that going on in the church. So in chapter 2, let's read together because churches are notorious for having cliques, playing relationship politics. I only hang out with people that understand me or click with me. You know, and how do we know that? Well, you, you you know for yourself, you only fellowship with certain people. If there's people that live down the street from you, and you think they're a little bit high needs or or they don't really are like what you like You'll travel many miles to fellowship with another brother And not spend time with the one who lives right down the street from you That's that's just that's just church politics And we, we write it off as you know, you know we, we make excuses in our minds not to have these relationships. We convince ourselves We'll, we'll have the real relationships or you come to church and you, and you quickly are, are only go to this certain people to talk to because you're comfortable uh, around that. And so that creates the clicks. That creates the atmosphere. And we bring our backgrounds into that. Maybe we were hurt. Maybe you were like my dad. He got hurt. His feelings hurt or physically got hurt. And so you bring that into the church. You ever feel that? Well, that person last time spoke to me kind of brass and was kind of rude. And instead of engaging and talking, I'd rather avoid. So this is what James is talking about. You know, in 1 Samuel 16, before we go to James, there's a quote from from the Bible. I may not have it up there, but hopefully I do. Let's see if it's on there. Compassion for all. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Because as Steve said, God has compassion on all people. Not just one. In the first century church, it was the Gentiles. They were not Jewish. So they had a big racial problem with the Jewish people. They did not want them. They got limited fellowship. In fact, it was such a big deal, they had a special meeting about it in the Bible. So in James chapter 2, let's read together. In verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters... How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? You know, for many years, me as a, as a, as a leader of the church, I would, look, I would pick talent over heart. I would, I would tend to be, one, well, this person will get it done, but this person has the better heart. So I would choose, at times, the talent. And I see, and I, for many years I did that. And I, what I realized was that talent, even though you have talent and have very little heart about helping, because talented people get frustrated when someone's not as quick to get it. But if you have talent and heart, you, you're, you're patient, you work with people, you, you really help build them up. But I tended to pick the ones with talent that were short-tempered, that got it done but ended up hurting a lot of people. And that was what I did to my shame. And that, what I learned from that was it's not about your talent. It's about what's in your heart. Because the person who has the right heart can get trained to be talented. But a lot of times, talent, you, you know, you get, you get kind of blurred by going, this guy's really, he's sharp, he's awesome. But that doesn't really mean he's going to take care of God's people the way God wants him to. And so, you know, very rarely you get someone like, someone who's really highly talented and has an amazing heart. Those are kind of rare anomalies. They're not always, it's either one or the other usually you got someone that's not as talented, but has an amazing heart, never complains. He's here, he's serving. And then going, who's super talented, who's awesome, but they you know, things aren't done the way they want it, there's problems. And so that's the culture that we live in. And that's, and that was what I did. That was my sin. And it was a faith issue. I didn't trust God. I didn't trust his process. In verse 2, it says, for example, someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes, and I'd be like... You got to meet that guy. Wait, wait, who's a sharp guy? Who's a sharp You're a sharp guy. He's a sharp guy. Go not meet a sharp guy. Right? Fancy jewelry, expensive jewelry, clothing. He comes in. Another one comes in his poor and dressed in dirty clothes. You're like, oh, hi. How you doing, man? It's good to see you. He's a little dusty, you know? You're, little, you're like, oh, yeah. It. It's almost, you know, it's a heart check. You see someone come in that looks a little bit, and it, you know, it's a heart check for all of us. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor, you stand over there back there with the ushers or they'll sit on the floor. Well, doesn't that discriminate? discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil thoughts? Yes, it's true. Very true. You want to hear an evil thought that ministers sometimes think? Oh, rich person! Oh, he'll give a lot to the church. Poor ser- per person, he won't give a lot to the church and help the church. That's in my head. That's the sinful nature to be gut level honest. That's that's a that's a temptation. Versus, hey, his heart and his heart are both lost. They both need God. Don't discriminate. That's, that's kind of our sinful, you know, when someone moves in the neighborhood, and you're like, whoa, man, look at those, whoa, a little shady in our neighborhood. They can bring him down the economics. That no dude doesn't mow his grass. He's letting it go dry. Man, who's this? You know, you're like, whoa, he's lo- we're losing house value. <laughs> Same principle. United's like, hey, it's great to see you. You don't, you don't mow your lawn. You're sloppy. Let me hug you. you know, you're, you're like, whoa, that guy needs to get a program, get the program around here. It's just, it's just different formats. For a minister, it could be that. For you, it could be your neighborhood. That's how our nature is. Oh, how about this one? This one has has his life together. This one go, man. This guy's emotional, has problems. I'm gonna hang on with this guy because he's drama. He's like he's like four. I gotta have lunch with him five times. This guy one lunch, and everything's gonna be awesome. Same thing. You know, you got drama for your mama, and then you got a guy who's not as you know. He's like, hey, it's fine. You know. That's is not that, is that not our sinful nature? This is what James is speaking to. We have a natural propensity to discriminate. We have to have laws for it so you don't get discriminated against in our country. They they made laws for it now. Because people do it all the time. Right? It's our predisposition. It's your background. In Romans 14, in verse 10, it says, Why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand... Before the judgment seat of the Lord. Mm. Because love is right. The issue is our lack of love. Prevents us from being loving. Our backgrounds come into play. From being loving. If you come from a a higher economical society. Your lack of love for the poor people. It's sometimes a challenge. And vice versa. Sometimes the poor can be discriminated going you're high and mighty. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's vice versa. It's not whether you have money or don't have money. It's just kind of our background plays a big part into it. But God's grace ignores national differences. In Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 15, they had to have a meeting because the Jewish Christians wanted the Gentiles, the ones who were non-Jewish, to be circumcised and become a Jewish person and then get baptized to be a Christian. They were like, no, it must be done this way. And they had a meeting. Guess who was there? James was there. And James says, no, 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 no. And Peter says, no, 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 no. Their background was they walked with Jesus. They were Jewish, but they accepted the Gentiles. That was God's way. And so there was a big meaning about that because God ignores national differences. Remember when Jesus was tired and went to the well in John 4? And there's this lady there drawing water. He goes, hey, can I have some of that water, please? She's like, what are you doing? You're a Jewish person talking to me. I'm a Samaritan. He's like, can you give me the glass of water, please? And they had a conversation. Jesus broke national differences because as, as Burns says, God doesn't want to punish and kill. He has no pleasure in that. Sometimes we we hear the Bible going, man, God's violent. No, God doesn't want to do all. He doesn't want to resort to all that stuff. He wants to to win them. You know, God also ignores social differences, our background, socially. Uh, It says, maybe I'm going too far ahead. Uh, If You can go back one slide. In Ephesians 6, 9, it says, masters or bosses, treat your employees or slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with God. To God, the rich and the poor are alike. The grace of God makes the rich man poor because he can't depend on his wealth. And God's grace makes the poor man rich because he inherits, inherits the riches that are in God. That's the challenge. In verse 5 of James, let's read together. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chose the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus and whose noble name you bear? You know, we have rich. now I've been investigating a new church facility where we're, we're looking because we, our contract is up and they're and they're moving us out and so in October we're gonna have to find a new place and we're searching uh, I'm searching Camarillo it's our that's our first choice of the city um, so um, we haven't having much much bite back but I'm checking into the a few other places this week um, but we are looking we found one place uh, over the over the grade It's a, a brand new elementary school above the Newbury Park Academy that's brand new. It's not even on Google Maps. It's all new it is. Uh, and we had a great meeting with them. They're giving us all the classrooms, uh, a multi-purpose room, access to their field, basketball courts. They're giving us everything. So we're looking. We have not signed anything, but we're looking. Because we want, we want this to be God's will. We don't want it to benefit anyone, anyone in the church. That's why I'm letting you know we're searching our primary focus is Camarillo. Because we feel that, that's, our, that's our first area. Um, but we are open to having to go somewhere else because we have one more month uh, to go. So we are looking. So that's, n- and that could bring out feelings. That could bring out feelings for, um, if you live in Oxnard Ventura, that could bring out feelings like, hey, You know, it's th- three exits, but you know, that little grade is an emotional barrier. You know, it's an emotional barrier. It is, is it not? Let's talk about it. Let's get real up in here, right? It's an emotional barrier. It's hard. You know, my my two thousand two Honda will sputter up the hill. You know, right? It's a struggle. It's farther from my wife and I to go to Newbury Park than to come to Camry. It's easier. It takes me ten minutes to get to church from the back road. So it might be a little farther. Maybe farther. You live in Fillmore or living in in the deep heart of uh, Ventura. But we're we're trying to do this God's way, God's will, and we're looking. we're, We're we're definitely. I got a call into Channel Islands University. Looking at the university to see if we can meet there. So uh, I'm just waiting to see if it, it has to fit through a lot of filters, you know. Not only location, geography, but also cost, uh, children's ministry rooms. Um, is it easy access? You know, do you want to go to midweek through like, you know, winding roads and dark places, sisters, you know? So is it easy accessible? You know, I have a lot of filters that I have to run it through because of safety reasons. And we have older Christians here. Um, so a lot, is it friendly to the visitors who want to come? Will they have a hard time finding it. Is, it? is it a crazy location? But maybe it's cheaper, but is it too far out, you know? So well, a lot of filters, a lot of prayers, a lot of thoughts are going into this process. And I say that because I don't want you to think, Oh, it's Newbury Park. Oh, let me see. Hmm. Oh, those are the wealthy Christians up there. And over here. I don't, I don't want that there even to be a thought process because I want to share with you what we're doing. We're going over backwards to try to meet here. In fact, I'm, I'm going to send this pastor a little card and a little gift card to say if this place ever opens up again, we'd like to come back because they gave us a good referral. You've been here eight years. That's a good referral. So we're doing everything we can to do it God's way, not, not any other way. Is it possible to be rich in this world and poor in the next? Look in your Bibles in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Put, uh, put, it, put a little ribbon at James or maybe I have it on the board. I may not. Probably, I don't probably don't have that on the board. First Timothy chapter six verse seventeen. Love is right. Love is right. I appreciate Steve's talking about. You know, we forget about how awesome our wives are when we're fighting with them, or they hurt our feelings. I experienced that yesterday. I was tired yesterday. I was happy with other people. Oh, it's great to see you. With Karen, I was like, I'm just so tired. Hey, bro, it's awesome, man. And, and then Karen's like, you're so different with me. I'm, I'm like, yes, because I'm married to you. You can see how I really feel. I'm tired, and I don't like being here. Give me a tissue. There are other Christians, you know, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'll, you know, I'll give myself sacrifice go the extra mile. And I was like, why do you do that? Because... I love you. You can see the real me. I'm grumpy. I'm grumpy when I'm tired. Verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, because it's tempting to be arrogant when you got money and you got a good job, nor to put your hope in your money, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Appreciate that. You know, me, Rodney, and Steve invested in a little small, little aluminum boat. We're taking out to the lakes all the time. Hey, I, let's go fishing. It's awesome. And when the big waves come, our boats go, woo! It's, it's a little crazy, but it's our little, our little, our little boat. <laughs> little, little 10 horsepower. Then <laughs> you see these big boats go by. I'm like, whoo! And now they, I thought i the scripture. Oh, it's for our enjoyment. Don't be jealous. Command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know, the doctrine of grace in the Bible forces us to relate to people on the basis of God and not our human merit. That's what God's grace forces us to do. Whether it's wealthy or poor, drama, no drama, it's based on God, not our own human merit and makeup. Um, James chapter 2, verse 8, let's look there. We'll continue this little, um, the walls that are created, you know, educated, education, uneducated. You know, there's a lot of walls. And, And it's wrong for us to build walls with each other. And you cannot. We cannot build, rebuild walls. If we believe in God's grace, we can't create walls in our relationship. We have to work together. Maybe, maybe if we if we go if we meet outside the city, maybe we have to carpool together. Maybe we have to team up and say, "Hey, can we carpool? Can we make it easier?" You know, um, we have to. We have to all work together. We have got to all think together in that, in that in those terms. And so James gives us this alternative. Look at verse eight. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law. That's an interesting word. He calls it royal law, as found in the scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's law. For the same God says, you must not commit adultery, Also says, you must not murder. So if you murder someone, but do do not commit adultery, you have still broken law. He's just trying to make a point there. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that though that you will be judged by the law that sets you free, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. He's saying that love is right. Right. One of the things we tend to lack is mercy in our nature. You know, it's okay if I do it. It's not okay if you do it. Mercy, mercy, mercy. You know, I used to to, to get critical sometimes uh, of something like, how could you not be here because of sports? And then I I was like, oh, oh, I see. Oh, yeah, sports sometimes. At a midweek, sometimes you can't control the schedule. You know, that's why I like being the coach of my coach's kids' soccer team. It's like, hey, we're not having practice on Tuesdays, Monday, Wednesday. But sometimes you don't have control of that. Sometimes you're prey to that. And so you've got to be careful. If you were the one going, hey, why? Ah! Oh, and then you're like, hmm. You, you can get caught in hypocrisy. Love is right. Mercy is right. Now, if someone's trying to avoid midweek, love is right still. You want to talk with them. You want to find out what's going on. It says here, favoritism is a sin. It's a sin, and the scripture that James uses is in the Old Testament. Let's see if I have it. I hope I have it. Maybe I don't have it. Maybe my PowerPoint didn't transfer over. Okay, going. Love is right here. It is. Do not seek revenge. Or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus says, if you don't know that parable, there was a three guys that saw the same guy injured, and the guy least likely to help, uh, help this guy was, a, was a, a Samaritan, someone who was an outcast. He helped this guy, and the other two that should have helped him didn't help him. And so th- he, what Jesus is getting across is that anyone who needs our help... Is who we help. Anyone. It's not a matter of geography, but opportunity. Can I help them? Do I have? Yes, I can. And that's why loving your neighbor is the royal law. It's the royal law. In in Romans 13, look what it says here. Whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's love. It's treating people the way you want to be treated. When you mess up. When you're not doing well spiritually. How do you want someone to treat you when you're not doing well spiritually? Rough? Assumptive? Bro, you want to church because you're, you want to watch football because it's coming up. All right, guys? NFL Sunday? Like, oh, I'm a little late to church, trying to catch the first half. Yeah? You know, I was talking to a man this morning about getting a Monday night rotating Monday night party just to get, get our fill of football once a week, you know? He was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's rotate houses. It's exciting. But remember that you want to be treated the way the scriptures teach, with love. The way Marcia and Nicole do the church this morning, and, and Juliet—they do all, all Sundays with love. As a, as a children's ministry teacher, teach your kids with love. Tell them a good, big thank you when you see. Hey, thanks for taking care of my kids. It's encouraging. Now we are going to be doing a new rotation for children's ministry, which I think you're going to like. I want to thank Juan Martinez for just thinking. Juan's a great thinker. Our, our, plan, our plan of love is that you'll serve, and children, everyone will serve, but they'll come in once a month. I mean, one time a month, you'll be a teacher in a group. A group of teachers will teach once a month. So you'll never feel like you're out of the fellowship for three months. So once a month in a group of five, six teachers, you'll rotate one teacher a month to teach the kids. And that way, you won't miss the fellowship, because of, some of the things we hear is like, I feel like I'm out for three months, I'm out for six months, I'm out for this month, and, and it, it could be a, for a small church, it could be to bear. So what, what Juan does is he thinks about how is this, how can we love the Christians? How can we make this their best experience possible? And I appreciate that, and I want to encourage you and challenge you to think like that. Well, how can we love the church more? How can we love and live out the royal law? We'll continue the study next week of James chapter 2. Thanks very much. Love you guys.